and no one would know. This realization provided me with inexplicable comfort. I am never happier than when on the verge of an experience. It is often victory enough. It was warmer in Melbourne than in Dunley, and I had broken out in a nervous sweat, terrified that someone might perceive me for what I really was, a boy with almost no idea of the world beyond the country town where he had spent his childhood. I set off walking with what I hoped was a purposeful air. The suitcase banged against my calf. I had gone two blocks and was in sight of the murky Yarra River before noticing I had headed in the wrong direction. I stopped in the bright sunlight and squinted about me, cursing under my breath. I blushed as I imagined the snickering and eye-rolling this error would have prompted in my sisters. But I was self-reliant to a fault, and the thought of asking anyone for directions appalled me, so I ducked into a side street and retrieved my wrinkled street map. In those days, that lower part of Melbourne was deserted on Saturday afternoons, an arrangement of blunt concrete canyons abutting the Docklands. A gritty wind scuttled along the footpath, bringing with it cigarette butts and a crumpled chip packet. I closed my eyes to the dust. Upon opening them a few seconds later, I was startled to see a man bearing down on me with a peculiarly intense and rolling gait. He was about twenty metres away and getting closer, talking and gesticulating. Get out of here! He was yelling, Get away! His voice echoed off the buildings. He wore very tight trousers and a green pirate blouse. His hair was long, his eyes were wild and his feet were bare, but the most alarming aspect of his get-up was his lips, which were tattooed a deep blue. I looked around, unsure if I should pick up my suitcase and attempt to outrun this bizarre apparition, or whether such a move would merely antagonise him. I had read in National Geographic that it was fatal to try to outrun a grizzly bear, preferable to back away slowly while maintaining eye contact. This wildlife knowledge was, naturally, of no use to me. We didn't even have grizzly bears in Australia. Not only that, but it was in this blur of trivia retrieval and frantic indecision that he was almost upon me. His bellowing had subsided to an indistinct but menacing mutter. I froze. My heels knocked on the brick wall against which I had backed. I might even have turned my head away in expectation of a blow, but he paid me no heed as he walked past and vanished around the corner into Flinders Street, leaving a waft of sweet perfume in his wake. I retraced my steps and caught the tram at Burke Street. Rattled after my encounter with the blue-lipped man and worried about missing my tram stop and ending up in the wilds of suburbia, I watched through the window, mentally checking off the landmarks as we went. Maya Department Store, Darrell Lee Chocolate Emporium, the Cinema Complex, and the famous Pellegrini's Café, where my late Aunt Helen had taken me for lemon granitas on the few occasions I'd visited her alone. So many shops, so many people... A group of boys in sharp suits were busking in the mall, crowds of onlookers. As the tram clattered up Burke Street towards my destination, my heart began to beat wildly. Surely, disappointment could be the only result of such high expectations. 
I alighted one stop past the exhibition building in Nicholson Street and waited on the narrow traffic island as cars whizzed by. On one side of the large, busy road were the Culton Gardens with their tennis courts and stately avenues of elm trees. On the other side, almost hidden behind a hedge in an overgrown peppercorn tree, was the apartment block with its name spelled out in white metal lettering affixed to one of its red brick walls. Cairo. Passing into its shady gardens on that summer afternoon, I felt transported, as even now my recollections transport me, into another world. Dappled sunlight, the cool scent of bricks, the abrupt cessation of traffic noise. I lugged my suitcase up the unusual cantilevered staircase and along the walkway to the apartment in which Aunt Helen had lived for so many years. The key turned easily in the lock. With trepidation, I opened the door and stepped inside.